Welcome to Farming the Depths of Eternal, a constructed podcast all about brewing. Each episode, we do a deep dive on a card and brew some decks around it and see how far we can take it. I'm Patrick of Potomaro Online, and this week we have I'm a Straight from WSG on, uh, to discuss a card. Well, uh, hopefully, based on the last episode, you never know, we might not discuss a card. But um, this week, I think we are really going to talk about Vara Deathmaster, the promo from over a month ago. So uh, thanks for coming on, Straight. Hello. Uh, it's great to be here. Yeah, um, I'm excited. So yeah, last week we got, I guess you could call a little sidetracked um, <laughs> from the, you know, the main topic of the episode, which was to talk about these Vara Deathmaster deck. Um, or decks in I, I in this cursed episode that uh, keeps on going. <laughs> keeps going on forever. Yeah, I, I added a small topic to our uh, to our agenda, and uh, it ballooned into uh, the entire episode. Yeah, I think we both like to talk about, it, and I like to. I <laughs> turns out I love to talk theoretically about Eternal more than I, I do playing it recently. So it was. It was perfect for me. So yeah, so uh, this episode we're going to talk about uh, Vara Death's Master, uh, which is the uh, six-cost Shadow Shadow 4-4 Scion. And uh, she says, when an enemy unit dies, Vara gets its battle skills. And then she has a summon that says, uh, sacrifice a non-Vara unit and play it from the void. Vara gets its uh, uh, power and toughness. So, uh, what does this card say to you, uh, Straight? Yeah, we we briefly talked about last episode how originally uh, it was worded a little bit differently, which allowed you to change its uh, unit type and um, and uh, sacri- she would be able to sacrifice herself. And uh, after they updated the card, it became kind of less of a uh, a combo card and became more of a a synergy card. I think. Primarily, there's 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 two elements to it to consider. One is that you maybe want to sacrifice a unit that has a very strong um, summon ability or contract ability, uh, and another would be uh, that you sacrifice a unit in order to trigger uh, sacrifice unit effects. Um, so something like a, a shrine, for example, which says when you sacrifice a unit, all your or yeah, when you sacrifice a unit, all your units get plus two, plus zero, and charge and lifesteal. So um, I think probably the, the the decks that we're going to be looking at today um, that utilize the card are kind of split between those two camps. Right. Yeah, so there is, you know, like when it used to say non-Scion unit, the, the main play was to use her with uh, a card like a counterf- Counterfeiter, and then change her unit type, and that allowed her to sacrifice herself and kind of go infinite with that. So there's no real combo shenanigans possible now that she says this. Not to my knowledge. There may be potential ways where you can kind of uh, sacrifice um, using multiple Varas, some kind of combination uh, where you're able to bring back uh, multiple varas back into play um not not as not as simply as before and likely not not something that would be 
um, competitive or something that you'd really be able to easily put together. It would be like a very, very ambitious, um, very ambitious uh, kind of combination. Mm-hmm. Um, so then uh, getting into it, you, you talked about um, the fact that the things that she's really looking for are um, big or good summons and or good in tomb effects or sack effects. Uh, are, are there some examples of like summons that stand out to you that are like good places to start looking? Uh, yeah. Yeah. There's some, I mean, there's some pretty straightforward ones. Basically every merchant uh, would function pretty, pretty well with Vara um, cards like Grenahen um, that kind of draw a card um, would, would also function very very well with 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 her i think those those kind of effects immediately come to mind mm-hmm. um some of the decks utilize these um there's there's other effects that kind of uh, look at other units coming into play something like a zoltan ambassador for example so it sees that another unit is coming into play you're able to to draw another uh, another card uh krogar uh is is a good unit in of itself it it's kind of a nice five drop into vara being a, a nice six drop so you end up getting another five life yeah the, but there's there's a t- there's a ton of options uh ones i'm sure that i have not considered also that um that would be really good good with her right okay and so do you think she doesn't really have a place as as just like a mid-range unit you know like she does, I guess, have the possibility to get pretty big if you're sacrificing some, you know, something big. Like, so do you think she has a possibility if you're not really taking advantage of fully taking advantages of summons or sac effects? I think realistically, likely not. You know, it's a, it's a six drop unit. It's um, we'll call it a vanilla unit in that it doesn't have some relevant battle skill. Intrinsically, uh, it, it, it can gain sort of relevant battle skills from your opponent's units if you kill those units. But I think realistically, even even if you had like a 12-12 um, six-drop unit, it probably wouldn't be good enough to uh, without overwhelm or without flying or without some way of connecting more reliably. Mm-hmm. I think the power of the card is probably comes uh, comes from its ability to to take advantage of um, summon effects, contract effects, and tomb effects, or a sacrifice or something along those lines. So it, it's going to be probably more of a synergistic card than just just playing a sex drop that is that has a lot of stats. I, yeah. I think that's that's likely um, the direction for the card. Yeah, I, I kind of agree, and I think kind of touching on what we talked about last week with. Uh with combo decks and, and the state of throne, you know, it, it feels like battle skills, uh, you know, as the format gets more and more powerful, get less and less important. And so it's like really even hard to imagine like what battles, you know, that your opponent is, especially in throne likely to even play a unit with a battle skill. And if they do, uh, what, how important that'll actually be. Right. Yeah. I mean, you you kind of want if it's a six drop unit if we're talking about throne when you get to 
that high of a of a cost, it should it it better be doing something very very powerful. And um, I think part of how this card could be a little bit more competitive would be to consider how how else can you get it into play relatively quickly. Um, for example, uh, one of the decks that we're going to be talking about a little bit later uh, tries to you know put play it in in combination with some cards and uh, I don't know if I should give anything away yet, but until we get to kind of the decks, but pl- tries to play it with some cards that allow you to play it, you know, on turn four or turn five or something like that. So that you can, you can try to sneak it into play a little bit early, try to get that incremental advantage that the card would generate. Um, so that, you know, it, you're not kind of, uh, you're not really considering it a six drop at the, at that point. Um, a format like Expedition maybe would be more lenient to you just playing a six-drop unit that doesn't immediately uh, have some kind of substantial effect on on the board. Right. Yeah. No. I I I agree with that. Yeah. I, and I was kind of surprised, you know, because we had sort of originally come up with some, and I use we very loosely here. Uh, we had originally come up with. Uh, some decks and stuff and and talked about this card you know over a month ago uh, when it came out and then you know we had this big gap before we finally were able to record and I was like oh I bet you you know a ton of people have brewed more decks since I initially made these show notes and I was kind of surprised that she really hasn't so far had an impact like there were after she came out you know there were a few decks that uh, mentioned her and then that was sort of it it really even in expedition people haven't really been at least posting decks uh with her on Warcry after she after her initial release i think it's kind of similar with with olin in that it clearly has an effect um which could be quite good um but not everybody necessarily once once they went past that initial excitement of the, the card as it is um as it came out rather um Maybe it kind of fell off their radar. Maybe they were preparing more for for the for the throne open coming up. Um, yeah, maybe maybe the fact that it was adjusted uh, and changed uh, recently kind of also there's a tendency that immediately after a nerf happens on a card, people just immediately stop playing the card, even if it's still functional. Uh, so. Yeah, I, I I do think that to some extent it makes sense, but you know, us bringing uh, us bringing some new decks here or uh, highlighting some decks maybe would breathe a little bit of new life into into the card. Yes. All right. So uh, yeah, before we get to our decks, I did want to highlight some of these some of these decks that were uh, mentioned, especially because a lot of people, or I guess uh, the the few people who posted decks tended to lean towards Expedition. So I did want to go over a couple of these. Uh, one of these was by uh, the Womps, and this seemed to be the most uh, popular of the decks that had Vara in it. And it's a, a Felm deck, as uh, they do usually play. Um, and so this is an Expedition deck, and it includes uh, two Call the Hit, two Through the Unknown, four Zito, uh, four Chloric Mix, four Direwood Hymn, four Saloon Massacre, four Shrivel, four Bloodsucking Skeeter, four Wisdom of the Elder, 
four direwood pack, four Iadria, four Lethroi opportunist, uh, four Vara Deathsmaster, one Shashank uh, of the Kosol, and one Vara Limitless. Yeah, so the deck doesn't necessarily have uh, too many ways to take advantage of of its uh, resetting summon effects or getting sacrifice effects out of the way. There's a couple. So it's an interesting inclusion in this deck. It's not a, it's not immediately evident that it does something substantial, although it does have some kind of interesting effects with uh, Lethray Opportunist, which is another uh, rel- relatively recently released promo card. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and uh, potentially with Direwood Pack, it kind of gives you another trigger to grow it. Um, yeah. It's less exciting with Zito, but yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. It's less exciting with Zito. I was just thinking the cool thing with Direwood Pack is sort of using, you know, your Direwood Pack can get huge and then, you know, it gives Direwood Pack another trigger and then just grows Vara very big, possibly. So it's just like Direwood yeah. Pack is just kind of a way to get a lot of stats quickly. Potentially resets the uh, Aegis on the pack if that's relevant. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's what I like with the left right opportunist too, is you know, you can reset the killer, you can kind of then turn it into a five five or whatever, because you get the next sum you know, a second summon with the left right opportunist. It also there's only one copy of Shashenka in here, but like I would love to get more summons from Shashenka. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, I think I think that's uh, one of those uh, win more kind of combinations, especially since the the way the way that you would play those cards wouldn't evidently make you think that it would work. It then Vara becomes almost like an eight drop, uh, in that you'll need to get Sushenka and play first, which is a seven drop in and of itself, and then Sushenka has this the tendency of really overpowering the game if she manages to get into play. So thinking that you would need to also get additional advantage after Sashenka kind of feels a little bit um, unnecessarily <laughs> unnecessary kind of, uh, it's probably enough by itself. Uh, uh, that's kind of the sense that I get from it. Yeah, I'm that kind of gamer though. So <laughs> yeah, no, I, I see what you're saying here. Uh, this, Take them all that are down. Yeah, all the value. I wouldn't even kill them. I just want to show them all the value I'm getting with my with my six drop that I'm playing as an eight drop. Yeah, Bloodsucking Skeeter is kind of a interesting card to me. I mean, this is definitely more of an expedition power level card. That's the three cost two two with flying deadly lifesteal. Spells and weapons can't be played directly on Bloodsucking Skeeter. Um, I feel like this just like never really shows up anywhere. It doesn't really show up in expedition either. But sometimes, like some, de- it's just like very annoying for some decks. I feel like, but it's maybe just not not good enough even for expedition. I've never played the card. I've played against the card, and I de- definitely get the sense of what you mean about it being annoying. It's definitely a good blocker. It's hard to remove. Um, killer is a great way to interact with it, but there aren't that many other ways to interact with it. Um, 
you can often play around it, which is not something that, which is kind of the main reason that I don't like it. You, you, you know, you, you don't necessarily have to be attacking with the unit that they want to block. Um, but at the same time, it kind of buys the deck turn. So I can see why it could be included in a deck like this, where you're, you know, you're trying to get to your six, six cost, seven cost cards. Um, you're trying to slow your opponent down, especially because it, it, it it was a relatively aggressive expedition format uh, with all the menace decks, uh, project decks, and the and the like. So, um, and Rakano decks, of course. Uh, so I could I could see why the inclusion. I probably wouldn't go for the card. I I try to figure out some other combination of cards. Um, Darwood Him also seems a little bit out of place to me, um, but but I, I I could understand the inclusion of 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 the skeeter yeah yeah him also especially like him just doesn't seem great in a deck that has you know four six drops and two seven drops but the next deck we wanted to talk about is uh by grundle and uh titled death's hero so it's a it's a hero deck with a zaltan ambassador um and vara is also a hero so here's the deck it's uh it's Shadow Primal Time, or I'll say that the other way, Time Primal Shadow. Uh, and it has two Call the Hit, four Permafrost, four Zito, four Chloric Mix, four Plunk Wumpkin, two Shrivel, four Zoltan Ambassador, four Severin Inevitable, three Sindan's Bracers, two Chronostorm, four Krogar Burden Hero, four Lord Thudrock, three Curiox All Seeing, Three Vara Deaths Master and three Shashanka of Kosal. So it has the um, Vara Shashanka combo in it again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that, joke, that joke stunned you to silence. I'm sorry. <laughs> as as we were digging into this, uh, also what I'm noticing is it that Severin again, like making it notable that Vara changed in between uh, the beginning and now. Var, uh, Severin modifies the. Um, the unit type of Vara. So bef- the way that Vara was before, if she ever came back uh, after getting revenge from Severin, she could make herself into a 999 uh, attack, 999 defense unit. Uh, as it is now, it can't do that. But but still, there's there's a lot more things that take advantage of, of, of her ability. Um, so kind of taking it from the top, um, Again, we see Zito, but less excited about that because of um, the contract amount uh, that you have to pay for the effect that you're getting. It's a, it's a cool card that you get to kind of clear out the opponent's last card potentially later in the game. But some of the stuff that is a little bit more exciting is probably the uh, Zoltan Ambassador. allows you to keep drawing some more cards. Uh, Sendane's Bracers is quite exciting because it allows you to take advantage of all these, all the grinding kind of uh, abilities that your deck would have. Add additional power. It would allow you to play Vara faster, um, and it would also allow you to just have a lot of power. Keep building up on the power to keep building up on your advantage. So it's quite. It's uh, the way this deck is designed is reading to me as a very incremental advantage kind of deck. Um, there's, you, you can get a lot of, uh, draw cards through Curiox all seeing and rebuying that again. Um, 
Krogar tends to make you live longer, it gains you life, you can gain more life with Vara. Um, it has interesting interactions with Severin as well. You can get a little bit of a cost in order to, to give her revenge, but she can come back and get kind of lots of additional value for you. So I think this deck is more interesting as a using Vara, the card kind of deck uh, than the previous deck that we talked about. Yes. <clears throat> so with the fact that uh, Vara was changed, do you think Severin the Inevitable still fits in this deck, or do you think this could be replaced with like a, a different hero? Um, you know, I can't think of... My expedition hero knowledge is not the highest level it's been, um, so I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but... I think even with the even with the interaction before, I probably wouldn't have put more than two Severance in the deck uh, mm-hmm. to begin with. Um, I think it's a I think it's a cool card though. Um, I think I'd probably play like more shrivels or more call the hits and just uh, have a little bit more interaction just to to give myself that early game uh, interaction until I I get those cogs together and and spinning and and i can start doing my thing would be my intuitive reaction i know that i typically would remove uh interaction from synergy decks to kind of help them do their thing but this is i think kind of an exception uh in that it's you're just trying to buy some time so that you can get to your to your synergistic effects i'm surprised that there's only uh, three Curioxes and, and three Varas, to be honest. I, so I'm, I might see myself cutting two Severin for a Curiox and a Vara as well. Um, Curiox is just a really powerful, a really powerful card. I think if you're playing Elysian Colors in general, that's one of the big reasons why you would choose to play Elysian Colors uh, in a in a slightly bigger deck. I think that's kind of how I would update the deck. Also, three Sindane's Bracers, I would probably just play the full full set. Yeah, I, the thing that I always really want with... I just, like, really, really want, like, one or two more two drops. You know, just something low. So, you know, doing a quick search, you know, your other options besides for what you have are... Uh, you know, because he has uh, Zito and Plump Wumpkin. And in these colors, you have uh, Grumbo... Uh, the Uncountable, and Nico, but there's no real Frenzy Synergy. I do wonder if, like, I don't know, Grumbo (laughs) or something could be possible to to fit in here. I don't know. Maybe that's too weak and you don't really have any Unleashed or something to go wide. But just, like, one more cheap way to to start the ball rolling seems like it could be nice. Yeah, I I mean... There's also definitely adjustments that you can make to the deck to make it more of a Grumbo deck. Uh, but gaining life as early as turn two and then kind of uh, needing your opponent needing to use their removal spells on, on that card versus something else, even if it like protecting your Zoltan ambassador slightly, it's it's uh, I, I can see I can see getting this deck into a point where it would make sense. Um, likely not playing as many. Uh, spell interactions and instead relying on um, units or coming to play kind of uh, effects that from units to to kind of buffer the early game and lead you into the uh, the late game uh, certainly would would be possible for sure. 
All right, cool. Uh, so the next deck is uh, a Stone Scar deck by uh, Roshi. And uh, this is a, a deck they brewed up uh, when uh, sh she just came out. And so the deck is uh, four Miner's Musket, four Obsidian Golem, four S Stonebreaker Bow, four Vara's Favor, four Ch Chizue Silver Hilt, uh, three Engraver, three Soul Eater Blade, four uh, Rania Miviox Maniac, uh, the uh, the Stone Scar promo, four uh, Sills Stronghold, four Gift of the Auric Bank, four Inferno Phoenix, and four Oni Forge Smith, and four Vara Deaths Master. So before I jump into the deck, I just want to say that Roshi uh, has all, he's a he's a streamer. Um, if you're if you're kind of interested in, in, in watching some some content, he he always makes really great, great content, and um, he always brews interesting decks. Um, I think relatively recently he started uh, his very own team as well called Slow Play Gaming, um, who I believe are still recruiting players. So if you're interested in kind of starting to be a little bit more competitive and, and kind of joining a team um you might want to look that that way um yeah and coinc coincidentally uh grundle is also part of uh team slope like aiming uh the person who made the previous deck so i'm, I'm sure that that team has, has quite a few kind of interesting brewers uh players that you, you could interact with uh and it's it's really cool that we we get to showcase kind of two of their decks um today so quickly jumping into the deck, I think I think this as well kind of reads to me as a quite an interesting Vara deck. It's a it's definitely a different approach to the to the first deck that we talked about, or the second deck that we talked about. Um, but there's a couple of different ways of taking advantage of of Vara and of speeding Vara up. So uh, like Engraver is one. Uh, one option miners musket is another option now musket is kind of more random effect but it has the capability of hitting vara and making it a quite a well-costed unit and then instead of using summon effects here we're looking at kind of contract effects and we're looking at uh sacrifice effects or entomb effects so inferno phoenix being one of them do you you know do you often want to sacrifice your own phoenix probably not but you know, maybe there's a chance that your your Inferno Phoenix has gotten permafrosted, so you get to rebuy it, uh, get its really great effect, uh, Entomb effect, and um, you get to attack again. So uh, some of the ways that people were attacking Inferno Phoenix in general to maybe lock it down or stun it or some something like that through Lethrite Gambit, it would allow you to rebuy uh, rebuy that card uh, and still attack. Uh, it also has Renea, which is a very powerful card. It gains you life and kind of leads you into the later game, which allows you to play Vara. And she has a very powerful contract effect. It would be really nice to be able to rebuy that effect as well. Yeah, this is kind of like an interesting deck to me because I like <clears throat> see like some of these ideas that you're highlighting, but then there's just like cards that are surprising to me, like... Uh, Gift of the Auric Bank, I feel like that's maybe just in here as a generically strong card because it doesn't seem to really synergize with a lot of the stuff. It's like the weapon synergy 
which is like sort of a second subtle thing that's going on with the Stonebreaker bow and Oni Ford Smith uh, right. kind of combo going on. But even like at that point, I don't know, like, do you really need that? <laughs> if you're doing that, do you really need the plus two plus one? You're right. I think it's just, it's trying to be trying to do generically strong kind of mid-range mid-range things not just relying on vara although i i do think that the deck itself can get a a, a decent uh decent uh uh synergistic effects from vara i they have a, a sideboard posted and i suspect that the sideboard itself is kind of some additional options that you can consider in the deck so some of the options that that they're highlighting is collection rounds which would have a a little bit more of an effect with with uh, Gift of the Auric Bank, Oni Insider, and and Reva, um, but the deck already has a couple of Oni, so it's possible that with it Engraver Chizway, Oni Forge Master, that that it it'll give them some additional some additional like buffs and make them more into competitive units. Right. Yeah, and then. You know, like the miner's musket also. It's like it you know, it seems like it's there for this weapon synergy. But again, this like doesn't seem like a great miner's musket. It just it's it's kind of interesting that they added this kind of little suite into into the deck to me. Yeah. It's definitely not it's not trying to abuse miner's musket through like unleashed or some other effect like that. But it, you know, it 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 has some really good hits as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you're 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 pretty happy if you hit like an Inferno Phoenix off your Miner's Musket. Uh, yes. There, there's a there's a couple of pretty strong hits off of it. Um, you're right that it doesn't. It's not really focusing on Miner's Musket. It's just an additional a weapon. It's probably that. You know they they. It's probably a later addition. Let's say after considering that you wanted to maybe find some interaction between Oni Forge Master and Vara, for example, and you're and then you say, okay, what are my options here? Stonebreaker Bow is a great one. Miner's Musket is another one. It has that additional capability of discounting some of your more expensive cards because this deck does have a decent amount of expensive cards. So I think it's more that component than others. Does that mean you consider it's like Miner's Musket such a good card that it's like generically good enough to put in almost all fire decks? Because that's what this is kind of in, implying to to me. It probably isn't. Um, you probably want to lean into it a little bit more. Would be my um, my intuition. Mm-hmm. Um, but it kind of depends on what you're missing as well. If you feel like you want to add a little bit of interaction and you've got some kind of synergistic effect with with uh, weapons, then there aren't that many options. Um, you pretty much have Miner's Musket, Stonebreaker, Bow, or you have the the Shadow Heavy 3-1 uh, weapon that um, that is unblockable. It could go... It, they can attack directly to the opponent's face. And I and I guess it, then you start kind of thinking about what kind of influence you wanna you wanna be representing a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, you know, now that we we mentioned uh, 
the that two cost three one shadow unit, I'm like, that's a pretty good Oni Ford Smith hit too. It 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 is, and it 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 might be that, you know, ultimately it's a it's a better it's a better weapon to have in the deck. Um, it would it would come down to like I can't I can't speak to intuition. I would I would want to play I would want to play the cards. Um, I can tell you from like my personal bias, I would I would probably not build or play a deck with that many five and six drops. I would tend to want to bring my curve down a whole bunch. So I think I would probably approach building a deck like this differently. But I think that that has to do more with my Mm-hmm. my biases as a player than anything else right yeah I, it's it is kind of fascinating it, it's like this weapon package is kind of like pretty expensive you know because it includes gift of the auric bank and or- oni ford smith which is are some of the most expensive cards in the deck um right but i don't know you know like all of my uh i have it I feel like not that I've played a ton of expedition, but I really haven't seen people try this like uh stonebreaker bow Oni Ford Smith stuff in expedition. You know, like this is a, a well-known combo to uh, us drafters, but it's not something that I've really seen. So it's like hard for me to, to grasp like how necessary it, it is or like how good it is in Expedition. And like, you think, oh, like Var Deathmaster, this is kind of like the Shashenka conversation we just had where you're like, oh, well, it's pretty sweet because you could only forge Smith, get back your Stonebreaker bow, attack them for 12. And then um, Var Deathmaster, you only forge Smith and get Stonebreaker bow back again. And you're like, well, is that overkill? Because in, in draft, you're already dead. But maybe like you actually need that kind of further recursion in uh in expedition to make it worthwhile i mean the one thing that i can tell you that is a saving grace for oni forgement is is that it has inscribe right so it it doesn't necessarily you don't necessarily have to consider it as your main plan uh you may just want so let me kind of add that at some point in the menace deck that i played um, some versions of that, the, the deck that I played that, and I got top four in, there were kind of two flex slots that were were left for uh, some kind of uh, fire inscribed card. And initially, the deck had two Oni Forge Smiths because it was playing Stormbreaker Bow um, as an incidental, you know, if you get it early chances are you're inscribing the card if you get it late then maybe you you're able to to buy back a bow and and um and and do the final points of damage i i think that that is kind of the way that i would approach the card i i wouldn't consider it as like your main plan but but it's it's just uh the more the more the more things and plans you put in the deck uh, chances are that you can end end the game uh, victorious, uh, mm-hmm. even if most of the time your only Forge Smith is just an additional power. So I think that's kind of what I intuitively what I would be thinking. No, I, I see that. Yeah. Okay. We can move on. I'm gonna just get still be hung up with this gift of the Oric Bank. I just like want to cut that 
and then put like uh, uh, a dasher in here or something. But you want, uh, yeah, your your tendencies are to be a little bit faster as well. I I, I hear you. Um, all right, and then uh, uh, one last uh, expedition deck we have here, and this is pretty pretty interesting. Uh, it's titled Argentport Hero Masters Top One Hundred and Fifty ish by uh, Ravencloth. You know, you don't really think of uh, Argentport being the hero colors, but uh, here we go. Is this an expedition deck? No, this is a throne deck. I lied. So I take that back, except this is a throne deck, but uh, we'll still go through it. It has uh, four uh, Ghostblade Outcast, four Silverblade Intrusion, four Cranwatch Paladin, uh, four Exploit, four Lost Scroll, four Piercing Grief, four Reinvigorate, four Hero of the People, four Hidden Road Smuggler, two Slay, four Unseen Commando, four Kai Awakened Master, and four Vara Deaths Master. And then the market is Nectar of Life, Regent's Tomb, Waxing Moon, Inquisitor Macdo, and D'Angelo Might. Another deck that I think probably does not have too much of a specific synergy with Vara. Um, like it adds a little bit to the deck, but it doesn't necessarily come across as being, wow, this deck now came alive because we have access to Vara. But it does at the same time have some interesting, interesting synergies. We see that the the concept of it, you know, rebuying your market access, which is I think one of the stronger ways of um, utilizing the card. Um, there's a couple of entomb effects that are interesting, like the ghost blade outcast, and and kind of uh, additional ways of triggering uh, summon summon effects that would or hero of the people building building his skills by playing more units. And then I think the big interaction that the deck is trying to do, and I think kind of like the the cornerstone of the idea of the deck, which is Kai Awakened Master being rebought by Vara's Deathmaster and getting multiple uh, multiple effects uh, off of that, uh, because it would reset the, the the stealth and ultimate when it comes back into play. Yes. Yeah, I for me the thing that Vara screamed out in this deck, and this is like an expensive way to do this, so maybe this isn't really the game plan, but when I looked at this deck, I I just thought like one of the frustrating things when you play a card like Hero of the People is it's a combo where you have to draw things in the right order. You need Hero of the People early, and then you need your units with battle skills. But Vara lets you lets you replay those battle skilled units that you might have played before you played your Hero of the People. Sure. Um, um, I've dabbled in some Hero of the People um, stuff in the past, and it and it was with Piercing Grief, the Piercing Grief Hero of the People kind of combination, um, because for five you get to to play. Uh, a, a pretty large unit that gets to attack right away gains you life. So I think the deck is trying to kind of piece together this life gain strategy into being able to move into the late game to again, get that incremental advantage. Um, at the time that hero of the people deck was also able to play scream for two costs. So the idea being that you, you get to piercing grief early, you get to get that kind of stuff out of the way. And then later, 
you get to play your hero of the people and then your scream or your pierce any additional piercing groups that you might have um so this deck uh goes a different slightly different direction but but still tries to kind of get that same kind of effect um centered around hero of the people and kai um it's an interesting deck for sure yes probably not you know the most competitive for, for throne but but definitely an interesting deck yeah yeah that that does kind of make me wonder if we we did want a card like um like sinister rumor or something it's like a sort of main deckable way to get back your piercing griefs uh cheaply if you then play a hero of the people um instead of just relying on a smuggler to get back like uh, they only have nectar of unlife but you know you could play something in your market too well, that's a good point i think i think that would probably substantially improve the deck um those kinds of effects because because you get that like like you mentioned then you you're able to combine here of the people with just a one cost card at the same time so like a turn four kind of idea where you're able to play it and immediately give give a give some good good abilities to hero of the people right yeah, and that's kind of what I was saying with the Vara being played after. You know, like if Vara was like a four cost, it would make a little bit more sense to me where you could do something like, you know, you play your Cranwatch Paladin, then you play your Hero of the People, and then then you can come back and sack, summon your Cranwatch Paladin, and then all of a sudden, you know, your Hero of the People is buffed up, you know. But, all right, anyway, it's kind of a cool deck, and they made it to Masters with it, so... It's uh goes to show you that you can, you know, still have some fun in throne. Definitely. And and honestly, going back to the, the previous uh the previous episode where we were talking about kind of brewing your own stuff, this is kind of one of those examples where clearly there's a there's a synergy of the deck, there's ideas behind it. There's always ways there's always ways to approve those ideas, but but hey, they had these kind of cool idea combinations, they put a deck together. They understood how to play their deck because they kind of made those choices and decisions to of why to include a certain card and omit other cards. So uh, they they were able to make it into masters, and I think I, everybody, you know, after trying and and coming up with some ideas, would be able to come up with something similar where they they build their deck, they come up with those cool ideas, and they're able to take it into masters at a very minimum. So uh, let's get into into your decks. We I think there are are two two themes of of the decks that we have brewed uh, for Vara. Um, we you have um, uh, three decks here uh, brewed. Two of them kind of similar. There's like Saki decks, and then actually uh, Random, uh, a frequent contributor to decks for this podcast, and uh, Cassandrith also. Uh, submitted uh, a zine index so random random cassandra and you also made a zine index for us to talk about so i, I think we'll start with these uh sack decks uh the first one was the one that sort of made a cameo last episode at the very end there and this is uh your roto scavenger list roto scavenger granted in sack there's there's been a, a deck called kennedans uh, that was using Kenna and and Grenadins, and kind of using that same mentality. I named this deck Varadins uh, because it omits Kenna, uh, but instead adds Vara in the kind of the top end slot of the deck. 
it's a little bit of a different approach, but the idea of the deck is that you're trying to get that sort of sacrifice and uh, re-summon ability um, effects uh, using your Grenadin as fodder for sacrificing and also Combustion Cell, which is kind of like a key part of that deck, uh, Kenadins, into trying to get your Vara into play significantly faster than what you would otherwise um, be able to. All right, so the deck is uh, four Gleaming Grenadin, four Grenadin Drone, four Kindling Carver, four Combustion Cell, four Grenahen, four Cato uh, Arena Herald, four Tripwire Grenadin, four Blight Pass Smuggler, which is the Felm Smuggler, four Rickety Ramcart, four Direwood Pack, four Shrine to Carvet, two End of, uh, End of Hostilities, and four Var Death's Master. And uh, the market as uh, the original market is Terriax Mount, Cyber Combustion, Royal Decree, Twisted Farmer, and Mirror Image. So um, we can we can we can quickly uh, look at the market and, and kind of maybe substitute this Terriax Mount, this uh, terrible Terriax Mount, with uh, of course Roto Scavenger, so that we uh, so that I can again. Uh, um, Kind of earn my uh, earn my place at uh, today's podcast. Um, we yeah, on a technicality. <laughs> Let's have <laughs> uh, technicality. Um, so uh, yeah, jumping jumping into the deck. So kind of there's the some of the sort of typical interactions that you would have from a sacrifice deck, where you have your kindling carver plus some fodder. Um, Grenahen has a really great summon effect to to be able to both get you to Avara, but also rebuy the Vara could rebuy it to draw you a card. Uh, Kato is kind of interesting with Vara because you get to play it early if you want, and if it's still in play later in the game, you can you can just rebuy its effect and and have a more likely uh, you're more likely to be able to make your your eight eight unit um, at later in the game than you would be at the beginning. Uh, Tripwire Grenadin uh, is is kind of interesting because it has a summon ability and an entomb ability, so it's able to do three damage by sacrificing that that unit. And then you have uh, your Smuggler rebuy as well, um, and and probably the biggest reason for the deck uh, to play Avara to begin with would be like Shrine to Carvet because you're able. It's not just a six drop unit at that point. It's got a, it's got charge. It's it's a decently sized unit. It's it's got life steal. So it kind of speeds it, it speeds everything up by by a whole lot. Um, and then you've got a two a two of end of pos, end of hostilities uh, that could further copy your varas or uh, copy some other some other units or your opponent's units even um in combination with combustion cell um so it's it's quite an interesting grindy deck it's got some kind of market answers to go wide strategies with cyber combustion and it's got some royal it's got a royal decree to try to, to fight some of the synergistic uh decks that exist in in um in throne uh but overall it's i i think it's a it's quite an interesting deck it's kind of a first pass I'm sure that somebody can, if they really want to tune it further, I think that there's a lot of potential um, to, to, to do that um, just because it uses intrinsically really powerful cards. 
and in a sacrifice uh, sacrifice shell. Yeah, it is kind of interesting that sort of more or less since the Shrine to Carvet nerf, uh, I feel like, you know, besides for uh, Toda's, there really has, like, there hasn't been a ton of sack decks. And so do you think it's like, do you think that the sacrifice decks as a concept are, are powerful enough as it is? I do think so. I mean, I think you can build them in a way where they can compete with the powerful decks, whether they are, you know, um, quite, quite there. It's like, I'm not sure, Mm -hmm. Um, but certainly somebody who also has more experience with these kinds of sacrifice decks, because I don't, I haven't played them at kind of the the top level, um, could pretty quickly look at this and say, you know, this card's not worth it. There's, there's some, uh, some other considerations that I could, I could, I could make here, but I think between utilizing cards that are very strong, like pack and shrine and, and, and Carver, uh, I, I think that, yeah, I mean, I'd probably try to fit in some exploits, uh, for this metagame <laughs> if I can. Um, but I think kind of overall, I think this could be a, a real deck. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I I like it. I you know, like the fact that I, I mentioned Roto Scavenger in the last episode is because like this is one of one the style of a style of deck I like and I every once in a while I, I get the urge to try to make a Roto Scavenger deck and um what always that always ends up leading le- leading me to is I end up playing like much uh more uh, heavier Grenadin build than you do. You know, you know, you I, which ends up causing you to sacrifice uh, some power to play more Grenadin, uh, and and you've gone sort of the, the other direction where you've leaned towards powerful cards at the expense of a critical mass of Grenadin. But you're also then therefore playing fewer of the Grenadin payoffs like. Uh, Rota Scavenger or the um, the two two that we talked about uh, last episode. So you know you have your Kados, you have your Direwood Pack in this deck. Yeah. So the difference, I mean, and honestly, I think that the reason why Terry Axbound is in the current market is more that you're able to give your Direwood Pack flying, for example. So you, you you know with just four power in play, you can play your your Smuggler. Or rebuy your smuggler, be able to get your Terriax mount and give some some um, some evasiveness to your pack because it's a very strong unit. I think that's probably a more um, competitive way to approach it. The some of the problems with the Roto Scavenger is that just it's a very squishy unit and needs to stay in play, and then you need to sacrifice your own units to get some very small incremental advantage, and often that. That, that kind of isn't enough where it's a little bit lackluster. It, uh, the it's so, it was, it's, yeah. yeah, it's so, it's so lackluster. It's, <laughs> it's just like you said, it's, it's too small. And I think, you know, part of it is, um, you know, you make a comparison of Roto Scavenger to like a card in Magic the Gathering called the uh, Mayhem Devil, which is, like a three cost three three that has a similar effect of whenever you sacrifice a permanent it can deal one damage to anything and so 
Roto Scavenger is, you know, similar in the sense that it's, but it's also it's it's smaller, um, and also the unit you need to sacrifice has to be uh, a Granadin, um, which is right. much more limiting, and then also in Eternal. Uh, much more so than magic, there are very few ways to repeatedly <laughs> sack things. You know, you just have so many things are gated behind once a turn um, that it's it's tough to to do enough with the Roto Scavenger to to right. to make it work. And going back to its original purpose in the deck and why both. Disassembler and Rotor Scavenger were in this. We, it going it it kind of goes back to what Vara used to be um, initially, which is that this deck was also playing Counterfeiter in the market. So it was it was it had this kind of main plan of sacrifice, aggressive um, aggressiveness, and then it had that additional plan of converting Vara's um, Vara's unit type. So that she could sacrifice herself, and once that happened, um, both Rotor Scavenger and Disassembler were just lethal immediately because she was able to sacrifice herself twenty-five times. So you would just do that damage to your opponent because Counterfeiter would make her into a Grunadin. So I think that was the primary reason why they were in, in the initial list, and and kind of why they got cut was that no no longer could you do that. So there wasn't really that big of a of a draw for for kind of playing this uh this kind of card but with that combo then all of a sudden kind of going back to what we were talking about the last episode you're able because of combos you're able to play cards that you would otherwise not play because they weren't um they weren't substantial enough or they didn't do something that's powerful enough yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I think it's my, my love of Rota Scavenger is just like I wish it was a good enough card, but it's just the way Eternal is designed and it's designed, it's just not doing enough. And like now you have, now especially that you have a card like Direwood Pack that just like grows so much faster and has uh, built in protection. It, it, it makes Rotor Scavenger seem uh, even worse. Um, but but one day, I, I always hope that we'll get some some better, yeah. cheaper um, sack and ability to <laughs> draw draw more more cards. Because that's the other thing is with these sack decks is if you're trying to do something as incremental as um, Roto Scavenger, you can just run out of cards. Or run out of right. Grenadin uh, very easily, um, as compared to you know trying to carve it as a as a a more in your face finisher. It's just like you you know you're doing big bursts of damage and trying to do something with Roto Scavenger and ping down your opponent's units and and stuff. You know as stuff is just way too efficient in throw. You make a good point. Yeah, and then uh, the final thing is uh, this end of hostilities. I I feel like this is a pretty good candidate to become those uh, exploits that you were you were talking about. Um, yeah, it's it's possible. Um, I could also see cutting some of the 
you know, little unit fodder because it's not particularly exciting. Like Gleaming Grenadine is a little bit luckluster. The Tripwire Grenadine is also a little bit luckluster. Um, End of Hostilities is a is a really strong payoff card when you have Combustion Cell or where you're able to get it off of a Kindling Carver and you're able to play it, for example. Um, because it, you get to copy your opponent's units. Mm-hmm. Uh, originally the deck was playing them with Kenna because you could copy Kenna and get back the end of hostilities. Um, but I thought that it was also an interesting interaction with Vara itself and then kind of rebuying maybe your market access, uh, maybe some additional things, maybe rebuying your Kindling Carver for a turn. It's it's possible that it's just too cute and it could be cut like you're mentioning. So it, it definitely could be a contender for a, uh, for exploit, I think I would probably try cutting some other cards first, and then keep playing with the deck. And if and if it kept, if if I kept liking it, then it would kind of stick around. If I didn't, then I would I would cut it. It's something that I would probably want to play a little bit more with to to figure out. Right. Yeah, I guess my my thinking with that is just like Kennedyn hasn't been a deck for a while, and part of that is, um you know, Kenna and End of Hostilities are expensive cards, and so you just can't do something as cute uh, anymore in Throne. And I think that's End of Hostilities is just, like, much better <laughs> with Kenna than without Kenna. And so if if you can't... If the deck's not good enough with Kenna and End of Hostilities, I feel like you it's probably not good enough without Kenna. Yeah, you make a good point. I think the big part of that Kenna Din's deck was how important Combustion Cell is. And one of the things that I'm not sure all the listeners may know is that markets used to be different earlier on in Eternal than they are now. We had what was called like a normal market and black market. So we were able to play cards between the the main deck and the market so we used to be able to say play three combustion cells in the main and also one in the market that was giving access to the to a lot more combustion cells for the deck and i think that the original kennedon's uh like combustion cell is like a pivotal card to the deck so without it it barely functioned versus with it that it it was pretty strong so i think what hurt that deck a lot was just the inability to be able to split the main deck and the market axis of that card um, to very reliably consistently get combustion cell into play. Right. Uh, this, yeah. Yeah, it, it's interesting. This all this combustion cell talk because, like, when I was playing this like Stone Scar Roto Scavenger deck, and like combustion cell was like one of those cards where. It, it it was weird because it seemed so perfect for the deck because it does like everything you want like Roto Scavenger uh, you know wants just like this easy like a free sack outlet and then this gave you power to do other other things but when I was playing it it was just like again we, we keep talking about it part of the with, with Throne is just like taking turn two off to play a combat combustion cell can also feel like a death sentence 
if you don't have a good follow-up and you know that that is one worry in my mind with this deck is like you have combustion cell and then kind of like what we talk about is then you're like okay then you can get plus two power which gets you theoretically to four or five and like what powerful thing are we doing to stabilize with that and that seems to be a, a thing that's lacking in the deck but then again adding it maybe makes the deck worse in those non-combustion cell uh games so it's a right tricky i balance. mean you're right you lose a, a bunch of tempo by not doing much and then also sacrificing some of the other other things that essentially you spent resources playing so you want to make sure that what you do with what you gain from combustion cell is either a really relevant or or b is something like uh shrine to carve it which is relevant but the reason i use it as a b is that it has some kind of uh life gain effect or some kind of ability to kind of claw you back for the tempo that you've lost uh by by making those those plays although it's interesting that combustion cell with say one cost grenadines can also net you power so you can go assuming you haven't played a grenadine on turn one uh you just consider it as you played combustion cell well then you can play a one cost grenadine sacrifice it and that'll generate a plus one power for that turn or if you did play grenadine on turn one uh, then you can play combustion cell sacrifice a grenadine and play something else on turn two as well so that you don't it doesn't feel like you lost that much tempo so grenadine drone into combustion cell into grenahan for example or into tripwire grenadine or kato or something along those lines it it kind of there are ways to kind of um mitigate some of those losses um but you're right it it is uh, generally speaking if you're using up those early turns to not do much it's probably kind of detrimental and and that's the the thing is like with these sort of incremental decks you don't really have a stabilizing power unit often and so then it feels like if you take that turn off of your game plan of gaining incremental uh, value then it, you could be in a tough spot but i i do like the the call out to this like you know grenade and drone on one combustion cell and another two drop you know that's I'd feel much more much more comfortable uh, in that you know playing a Grenahen or something right there, uh, right. So no, that, that's sweet. All right. So then uh, the next sack deck that we have is uh, a more tr traditional uh, sack colors, I, I think, and and that is in the destruction colors. And so there's because this is also a sack deck, we're not have a lot of similar cards, but kind of a you know different you know different role players so uh the deck is uh three gleaming grenadine four grenadine drone four kindling carver three nahid's faithful four kato arena herald four nahid's choice four unfamiliar interloper four aurelian supplier four display of destruction four ebon dune smuggler four huntmaster vikram four shrine to carve it four of our deaths master and then the the market is a a combust through the unknown vikram's bomb rapid development and aramat's machinations yeah so i think like you mentioned there are quite a few overlap cards from the uh the varadins deck 
specifically because they are just strong in a sacrifice kind of um, shell. Uh, so you've got a, your typical fodder units early on, Carver, which is a very common strategy with, with this kind of deck because you get to draw lots of cards. Um, I, again, I want to take a moment to say that this is, again, the first path to a deck. There's probably a lot of space for improvements, and I'm sure that if somebody wanted to sleeve this up and, and just keep working on it, they could find a lot of really cool additional things that they could be doing. Um, but I think this color combination then starts adding some of the really strong cards that you would otherwise have in these kinds of decks through Aurelian Supplier um, that also would work very, very well with Vara and sort of draw you many more cards. Um, Display of Destruction in particular has a really nice breakpoint with Vara in that you're you're sacrificing a you know you're sacrificing. A, Sacrifice a unit that gains six power, which is exactly what you need for Vara, so you're able to get her into play uh, with a lot less a lot less uh, power in play, which is uh, I think really interesting. Uh, kind of rebuy your market effect or rebuy your um, your Vikram, your supplier, uh, your Kato. Uh, so I think I think there's kind of it's quite. A few quite interesting interactions, um, and then one of the market cards I think works really well with her in the rapid development. So there's a quite a nice benefit of having a big unit. Uh, so we talked about Vara, like you know why? Who cares about her being a six drop with lots of stats? Well, if you have a card like Rapid Development and it sees those stats and then gives all those stats to your little scrawny units, well, that's that's pretty exciting. Right. Um, and so for, think, oh, sorry. And for no, those who don't know, because this isn't a super popular card, Rapid Development is the uh, five cost time time uh, promo. It's a spell. And it says your units get plus attack and plus health this turn equal to the highest health among your units. Right. Um, which works pretty, pretty nicely with, with Vara. Um, I think Vikram is is also a card that is just very strong with Vara. You could do it. You could do many different uh, kind of. You can approach it in many different ways. Uh, so one way that you can think about it is if you've played a uh, Vikram uh, earlier in the game uh, and you stolen a unit, maybe you sacrificed that unit. You could then play Vara, rebuy that ability. Um, if you can, you can also look at it as if you've played um, a uh, a Vikram earlier in the game and you gave a charge because there wasn't another unit in play. And then later on, you can rebuy the Vikram, steal a, a block or steal a unit and charge in right away. Um, you could, if you still have the unit that you've stolen with a Vikram, you could sacrifice the unit that you stole and then that unit now becomes yours forever because it, it goes into your void and comes back into play as your unit. So even if the the Vikram goes away, that's your unit for the rest of the game. Um, so I, there's a lot of quite interesting interactions that you can do, I think, with those two cards. Yeah, no, this is sweet. I think uh, time uh, does does have a lot. And I, I think Huntmaster Vikram is like a great, great card to pair with uh, Vara Deathmaster for all, all the reasons you mentioned. Um, 
You know, one of the the cards that I think immediately comes to people's minds when you talk about destruction uh, sack decks that isn't in here is uh, Vox. Um, is uh, is there any reason not to include Vox, or do they? Is it just not the right card for this kind of deck? I just, I think more from my inexperience. I've played the Vox deck a few times, and I made some some cuts. But like I'm mentioning, I think somebody who has more experience with these kinds of decks can probably look at this and very quickly make some adjustments. Uh, I, I would be curious, for example, if this deck fell into the boxer's hands, how how they would approach changing it because they've loved playing uh, Vox decks. Um, Murder of Crows as well. Uh, it's kind of well known for for the Vox decks. It it could be that it just slots in right away. Uh, it could be that you know Vara becomes like a market access card and just rebuys your um, your smuggler once or gets just a single sacrifice effect. I'd be curious how they they would approach it. I think the way that I built it is more that I was specifically thinking of Vara and how do I max. I make it a central part of the deck uh, versus making it just competitive. Right. But yeah, I'd be curious to see kind of considerations that they would make on the deck like this. Cool. Um, all right. Shall we get into our Zen Index? Let's do it. All right. So uh, we'll start with uh, your Zen Index here, and um, uh, which I think is pretty pretty typical middle-of-the-road uh, road Zenin deck. Uh, so I think it's a, a good starting point. And uh, this deck is uh, four All-Nighter, four Crack the Earth, four Desert Alchemist, four Exploit, four Send an Agent, four Trailmaker, four Aurelian Merchant, four Tokas Waystone Harvester, four Huntmaster Vikram, four Twin Spiteling, three Binding Agreement, Four deaths, Var Death Master, and three Azendel revealed. And then the market is uh, Ark of Soul, uh, Cloud Scraper, End of an Error, Krogar, and a Zenin Temple because it's a Crack the Earth market. Yeah. Um, so this is kind of like closer, I guess, to uh, the Tinan deck, the Time Zenin deck. And again, I was trying to just figure out. Like if I if I take some established archetype and I and I try to center it around Vara a little bit more, what does it look like? So, idea being here that you know, Twin Spiteling is one of the strongest um, one of the strongest cards that Tinan has because it's able to play these like massive massive units. So why not sacrifice it and get another massive unit? Um, we see the the Vikram interaction here as well. Uh, again. We have um, another merchant so that, that you can rebuy, you know, a Zindel, probably not a great unit to sacrifice uh, necessarily, but, but hey, that also has a summon ability. <laughs> and then uh, we have Krogar, which is, a, is an interaction that we talked about kind of with a different deck. So the idea being that you're able to go crack the earth, uh, accelerate with your Arc of Soul sacrifice effect from your bargain uh, market access, and then grab yourself a Krogar, gain some life, and then Vara to, to gain a, another set of life as well. Um, so 
yeah, it's it's kind of an interesting deck. Whether it's better than other Time Xenon decks, I'm not sure, but it's a take on it. Right. Yeah, the, the two cards that stand out to me that I feel like aren't usually in these teen index, uh, you know, besides for uh, VAR Deathmaster and uh, Binding Agreement callback, um, is uh, Desert Alchemist and Trailmaker. You know, you, usually the teen index, you think the, the two big uh, draws to teen in are you get uh, Twin Spiteling and Alhut. And uh, instead of Alhead, you have this uh, these Desert Alchemists and Trailmakers. Um, and then especially Desert Alchemist, you know, the, the, you know, if we're thinking of ways that it synergizes with Vara, it's really just the, pl- the plunder that you kind of get. Um, so what was your thinking in putting Desert Alchemist in there? Yeah, I, I don't know that I would discount plunder in general. I think that that's a pretty nice effect to rebuy. Um, the reason I guess it's in here is more due to the format being relatively aggressive and being able to be a decent blocker. I think some versions play Desert Alchemist and it's kind of dependent on how prevalent maybe Skycrag and other aggro type decks uh, are out there. I think like one of the, the things to consider might be how many Plunks are around because it's a pretty good unit against Plunk. I'm sure that this deck could play something like uh, the the 3-5 cat that uh, kills a relic when you play it, but it's yet another 4-drop, so there's some considerations to make there. Trailmaker is probably pretty speculative. Um, I just... I think intuitively I just want to add a whole bunch of like acceleration effects to stuff, and it's probably not the right call. That could be an L-head. That could be something else. Um, that fits a little bit better right yeah well it it's interesting because yeah it does have the ramp which is good very fragile body um which is uh, unfortunate and it gives you the influence of your choice which in this deck would be time uh to help with your twin spiteling but then you're like oh that would also help with owlhead uh, so, so there's like i feel like some tension there and um uh, it is interesting that you you did forego any of the the one drop accelerants uh, in this deck. It's for the same reason. At least Trailmaker adds some influence and it makes it kind of useful from that sense. I find that the all those one cost acceleration units, like it makes your crest or your depleted power a little bit a little bit awkward. Um, they're very squishy and they're easy to attack. I prefer doing like crack the earth um, into two cost acceleration stuff rather than trying to accelerate your three cost units. I think it feels like accelerating your uh, your four cost units is more relevant at like two to four rather than one to three is a little bit more relevant. Um, Trailmaker is also, I guess, a two one, so it could block plunk. It could block other units even if you if you feel like you have enough power and you don't want that. Ad- that maximum power addition, you can use it as a decent blocker. Um, that's kind of like at least the thought process behind it. Probably not the right card for the for the deck. It, it's probably an easy cut for something else. But no, I mean these are all first passes, like you said, and we're just trying things out. So just was wondering what your thinking was. Cool. So uh, let's go to 
Cassandra's deck, uh, which is uh, very interesting because Cassandra's deck is like a Wisp and Radiance deck, which is a really interesting choice for Vara because, uh, you know, th this is a, a synergy deck or these are, you know, a unit type that have a lot of tribute effects, have a lot of void and want some recursion and stuff. And so Vara, I think, at least theoretically, slots in really well with the, the concept of this deck. Um, so their deck is uh, four pa Pathlighter, uh, four Through the Unknown, four Toxic Wisp, four Dark Wisp, three Devour, four Nocturnal Creeper, four Vine Grafter, four Banish, four Curtain Call, three Vara's Authority, um, four Soulbringer, four Twin Spiteling, and then six var or <laughs> four vars var deathmaster, and then their market is a uh, display of reality, eclipse, end of an era, Zenon temple, and Aramot's machinations. It's quite the interesting deck. I think the interaction that I like the most is the the vara and soulbringer interaction, um, particularly because it has a very strong summon ability. Soulbringer uh, and the tribute effect is is kind of gets re like uh, it's a difficult card to, to 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 tribute is a difficult thing to to time correctly, um, and Vara just does everything at once for it, so it's 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 just it seems like a really cool interaction, and um, the one thing I do want to add to this is that I did almost bring kind of more of a combo deck today as well, um, with Vara and it. Centered around uh, Counterfeiter, but not com combined with Vara, but combined with Soulbringer. And the ability to make all your units Wisps. And then if your Vara was in the Void, for example, um, you would be able to get Vara into play, which could then sacrifice your Soulbringer again and get more units back into play. So you could do something similar to... Uh, what the original big Vara was where you could sequence out and, and just replay almost all your units out of your void uh, all in one turn and just like fill your, your whole board. But, but I, I couldn't quite get the deck to be consistent enough that it was as that it was worth uh, sharing with everybody. Right. Yeah. So I, yeah, I agree. Soulbringers super sweet with Vara Deathmaster. And I, I think, you know, being able to get, you know, both, just like you said, both both sides of the card in, in one shot is pretty sweet. You know, the, the, the one card that kind of calls out to me is this Vine Grafter here, which seems to, to me to be a pretty interesting market choice in that it's so slow and doesn't really synergize that greatly with uh, Vara Deathmaster. So it feels to me like if you're running Vara, you might as well just run one of the regular merchants to get that quick merchant buyback value. Yeah, that's a fair point. I think it's just a strong unit um, in and of itself, mm -hmm. in that it's able to to block aggressive units and, and kind of guck the board. Maybe it it uh, it gives regen to one of your 
um, other units and makes them stick around a little bit more. Um, but you're right. I, I think I think it would probably be since every unit, everything in the market, for example, is time. I, I think it could be easily substituted with um, the time merchant because it it accelerates you. Um, it's able to be rebought by the Vara. Um, that that would be kind of an intuitive way to adjust. I think this deck could also get lots of benefit just by new wisps that and radiance that get uh, printed. Um, so it's kind of an interesting thing to keep at the back of your mind for uh, for the future. Yes, exactly. All right, and then um, we can go on to uh, Random's deck, which uh, unsurprisingly is a Spire Shadows deck. The deck is three Devour, four Exploit, four Aurelian Merchant, three Banish, four Ebendune Smuggler, four Insect Swarm, four Carindon Merchant, four Wing Brewer, four Arak Razor Shaper, four Gentle Grazer, two Petra Auric Launderer, three Vara Deathsmaster, and three Unraveler of Destinies, and four Xenon Adept. And then the market is Send an Agent, Spire of Shadows, End of an Era, Xenon Temple, and a Nash. So for any of the listeners who are not aware what Spire Shadows does, this whole deck is centered around a card that is in the market called Spire Shadows. And what the card reads is for two, one time and one shadow influence, you get to swap the power and the cost of each unit in your deck. So, for example, when we look at a unit like Xenon Adept, that is a seven cost unit with zero attack and five uh, uh, toughness. It has a lot of text as well, but just for a demonstration of what Spire Shadows uh, is, if that card is in your deck and you play Spire Shadows, it now becomes a zero cost 7-5 unit with that text. So a lot of the considerations of the cards in the deck are made specifically because they interact very favorably with having their power and their cost um, swapped. Uh, Random has been known for building lots of Spire Shadows decks. I also love that card very much, um, specifically because it changes the way that you design decks and, and there's it makes completely different considerations on how you would go about um kind of approaching the design of your deck uh, so with that in mind if we look at vara for example we kept talking about how at a six cost she seems to be a little bit prohibitively expensive um but if you play spire shadows she suddenly becomes a four cost six four unit uh, so it makes it significantly easier to cast now notably that doesn't affect your hand right so after you've played Spire Shadows, you still need to draw into more of your deck. So we look at cards like Devour, we look at cards like Wing Brewer that allows you to then go through your deck, Gentle Grazer as well, try to get those nicely costed cards out of your deck and so you can get that really great advantage that, that you'd be able to get. Um, and I think for Spire Shadows decks, one of the things that became very evident is that it's particularly great with Unleash, just like many other uh, things are with Unleash. 
because, uh, so for example, Insect Swarm is a three cost one two unit with Flying Unleash and Ambush, but if you've Spire Shadows, it all of a sudden becomes a three two flyer for one with Unleash, so you're able to just pay all the power that you have to fill your board with three two flyers at the end of your opponent's turn, so it becomes a very strong unit. So that's kind of the whole approach of the deck. Vara is more added to the deck and it has some cool interactions, but overall it's it's predominantly centered around um spire shadows. Yes. Yeah, I agree. I think you know she does get cheaper. There are some summon effects that she does help out, like the gentle grazers. Uh and then because Spire Shadow is a market combo deck, you know, it has the 12 merchants. Uh which kind of leads me to my my one thought for the deck. Um, oh, and Xenon Adept also has a pretty good summon with draw a unit from your void, which is also, um, you know, pretty good with multiple, <laughs> multiple Varas and, uh, which is, you know, good with Vara and stuff. But like what I was going to say with the merchant combo thing and the Vara, like, I feel like that's going to end up being one of the main things you sacrifice is one of your 12 merchants. And one of the problems I have with this deck and these merchant combo decks is like once you get your namesake card, Spire of the Shadows or Spire Shadows, like your market is then pretty situational. And I just wonder if like adding a card draw spell, you know, binding agreement's a little bit weird with after you play Spire of Shadows because you're kind of condensing the um you're kind of condensing your unit costs from zero to four down to zero to four with a lot of zeros and ones but just like something where you you know like you're able to to use vara on a merchant and then be be happy with it as compared to just getting sort of a generic card like a send an agent or an end of an error or something yeah when you started talking about kind of the concept of like well you've you've done your market thing like what else do you need in the market the first thing that i thought of was we should add card draw to the market so that you're very excited to go back to your market a second time um and intuitively the first thing that comes to my mind especially because of the way that it shifts the cost and the um the the attack of of cards is uh, deangelo's might i think that that would be a really cool addition uh, yes, it's expensive, but at the same time, if you're able to to draw like six, seven, seven cards is a lot of cards, but let's say even even as, as few as four cards because you just played a Vara. So let's assume that your initial initial start to everything is your four cost. Well, then you can draw yourself into a whole bunch of like zero cost units and one cost units and stuff like that. So your turn after that is going to be pretty pretty substantially explosive so one of the things that you need to consider about spire shadows is like you're mentioning it's a kind of it's in your market so that you can add that consistency because you want to play it every single game um the soonest you can play it in this deck is turn four so your turn five better be pretty good um because that that's a lot that's a long time to be committed to what you're doing um (laughs) so you really need to start either using card draw or something to 
kind of dig into those really well-costed cards so you can you can capitalize on your advantage that you that you have um if you're if you're only drawing off the top of your deck and you're just playing one card at a time well it doesn't really matter that your card costs one it might as well costs five you don't really get an advantage out of out of it you really need to to be able to get multiples of that of those cards so that you're able to to play multiple things at the same turn um otherwise it's kind of a pointless advantage that you've gained this is probably crazy i don't have enough experience with spire shadows decks to really be talking right now but you know again it just like with this card draw and stuff like adding i wish we could like add fire and get uh like a draconic looting stuff type effect but then you kind of have to give up on it like gentle grazer and, and stuff yeah so 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 from my experience and i i don't want to take anything away from random i also like I mentioned, I, I loved Spire Shadows for a long time. So the way that I had approached it at the time is, is kind of twofold. I don't like playing spells because they're not units. They don't get advantage from your Spire Shadows. So I'm trying to maximize Spire Shadows as much as I can. So I like units that draw cards. The way that I approached it was I wanted to play um, Marius Mandrake because it is fairly decent as a unit before you play spire shadows it still gains you life draws you cards and then after you play spire shadows well now it's a zero cost unit that has attack has defense and still does that draw effect so um i i like those kinds of effects so i guess wing brewer is a in my mind a little bit better of a draw spell than um than adding a spell that draws you cards like devour mm -hmm. um the what red adds to the deck which is kind of interesting as well is it gives you access to salvo uh which is a market spell um that gives you the ability to play spire shadows a turn earlier and that's pretty exciting when the first thing that you need to do with your synergy deck is to play this one card from your market getting a whole extra turn to play it earlier is that's a pretty substantial an important thing so one option is to play spire shadows is um time shadow uh, fire and then you have access to like a turn earlier another approach would be to add um to add uh primal to the deck to get access to some units that draw you cards um and potentially have like marius mandrake with ultimate effects to to cycle through your deck and draw you cards yeah so uh you know we kind of talked about this in the beginning but uh just to sum up you, what are your thoughts after looking at, at these decks and the possibility of, of vara having a place in, um in the meta or in the future yeah i think it's an interesting card i think like we mentioned it's a little bit expensive it's a little bit slow but if it adds a substantial synergy to your deck and you're able to, through your interaction or through your units or through your life gain, uh, deal with the early game pretty effectively to get to that later in later game, then I think it's a quite an interesting card. I I um I, I do so I do honestly believe that kind of in a sacrifice shell, uh, she can add a lot. Mm -hmm. um so i'm curious to see like if players pick some of these ideas up and they they kind of tried to do their own thing 
I haven't spent too much time with him, but I, I will. Um, especially I think after this, uh, this thrown open, um, are you saying you're busy this week? <laughs> a little bit. I would like, uh, I would really like to get another top four, uh, for the season because I would like to get my, uh, back to back qualification to worlds if I can. Uh, that would be a pretty, uh, pretty neat, uh, a pretty neat thing. Um, yeah, yeah, that would be sweet. Um, and we'll be rooting for you. Um, so yeah. So then my final question, which I've been meaning to, to ask every episode is like, of all these decks that we talked about, like what, which one do you think has the most room for exploration or improvements? Like what are you most excited to start tinkering with? I think, yeah, I think both the sacrifice shells are, are the most, most interesting to me, both because they have the most interaction. It's not just a straightforward. I played this unit that has a summon ability. I played this other unit that rebuys the summon ability. Uh, kind of like the Spiteling Xenon kind of approach. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think there's a yeah, there's a lot more stuff to to consider with the with the sacrifice uh, the sacrifice decks, and I think that they're more able to not cheat her into play, but uh, get Vara into play substantially faster, which is kind of I think a necessary thing to do to be able to make a six cost card competitive in in a throne format. Right. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I, for me, I think, like we said, I feel like Soulbringer is like the most like exciting synergy that we've really talked about, but it feels like, I just don't know if the rest of the Wisps and the Radiance are make it are, are enough to really, um, to be powerful enough. You know, it, this is like, the sack decks have a history of sack decks working. Um, so it's like easier to conceptualize how to tinker while, you know, wisps and radiance haven't really been a, a meta deck before. Uh, but so maybe that makes it more interesting to, to explore. And then the other deck is Grundle's uh, elite uh, hero deck. I, I kind of like where he's going with and uh, you know, it's always easier to, to explore uh, new cards in uh, expedition format, and uh, here as as a deck has kind of disappeared from uh, expedition, as far as I can tell, more or less. And so, but it it still seems like it's a very powerful package. So if you can find the space for it, it seems like it's can do powerful stuff. So that's the other one I wanted to highlight here at the end of the episode. Uh, so that'll uh, end our episode here. And then as always, you, uh, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash farming eternal for as little as a dollar a month. You can uh, help support the show and, uh, you know, keep uh, supporting and helping uh, produce uh, <laughs> eternal content um, and get a shout out on the show. So uh, thank you to D-Dub, John, Demo, Steve Irwin, Cotillion, Loki, Trickster, Mercurio Blue, Abednego, Meagles, Madness, Darth Herman 2, Twin Hex, Jed the Hummer, Raven Dragon, Esrit0215, Sunblaze, Work Done Sun, and Yistow. All right, have a good night, everyone. Good night.